This is the Moms in Motion podcast, where we are running our businesses, running our households, and trying not to run ourselves into the ground while juggling it all. We have figured it out the hard way so you don't have to. We are here to help you build your village, improve your connection with your mom bod, and possibly even navigate business ownership better. If you are looking for all things pregnancy, postpartum, and mom life that's honest and not too serious, this is the podcast for you. We are Krista Williams and Dr. Jen Perna, and we are Moms in Motion. Welcome back to another episode of the Moms in Motion podcast. I'm Krista. Hi, Jen. Hello. We hope that your new year is off to an amazing start thus far. And we hope that you have been able to prioritize yourself a little bit better. So like whatever you struggled with last year, we hope that you are doing great putting up some boundaries and doing more for yourself this year than last year. Absolutely. Today, we are going to be talking about constipation, one of my favorite topics. I think that this is so relevant for the new year, so I'm super excited to dive right in. So let's talk about constipation. So fact is that so many people are constipated. They don't even realize they're constipated. Now, according to kind of like the definition of constipation, constipation is defined by you having less than three bowel movements a week. Now, having said that, we do have patients that go every single day and they are still constipated. And how is that? What do I mean by that? Essentially, if you are continuing to wipe and wipe and wipe. You feel like you're not emptying. You feel like you went, but you didn't get everything out. Those are still signs of constipation. So that's number one. Number two is the quality of the stool. So if the stool itself is like rabbit pellets and like little, hard, difficult to pass, that is a sign you are constipated. You can go every single day, hard, little rabbit pellets, and you are constipated. So, you know, that definition of like fewer than three bowel movements a week, yes, it's kind of the definition of constipation, but a lot more goes into it. This is also interesting because I know that clients struggle with this. I know that the lack of knowledge around this topic is just huge because it's like a TMI thing. People just don't want to talk about poop, but it is so important to how you feel and, you know, being able to, I don't know, like do all the things, right? And not yeah. like have to focus on it. Right. Like, and not like think about it all the time. And like constipation can cause so many other issues that I think a lot of people don't realize. That people definitely don't yes. realize. So Let's, like stress incontinence, yes. for example, which is urinary leakage can be the result of constipation. Back pain can be the result of constipation. So I know a lot of people are like, no, 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 it's fine. I go every day. I'm not constipated. But you could be going every day and you're not actually evacuating your bowels fully. So constipation is huge, 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 huge. So let's just kind of start with the absolute basics about this because I do not know everything about poop like you do. So how do you know if you're constipated and and, and at what point should you seek help for that? Yeah, I mean, I would say tried and true. If you're going less than three days a week, that is like true definition of constipation. You absolutely should be seeing a pelvic health provider slash a GI slash your primary care doctor. Now, the issue is they're just going to push Miralax. And they're just going to push maybe you to go on some sort of supplement to make you poop. But we really want to figure out why are you not pooping? So is it that you are not drinking enough? Is it that you're not eating enough? You know, we're going to go into some of the reasons why you may be constipated today. But, you know, if you're going less than three days a week, 
That is something tried and true definition of constipation. If you're feeling like when you go to the bathroom, you're sitting there and nothing's coming out, you're constipated. If you're Mm -hmm. feeling like you have to hold your breath and push a lot to make your poop come out, you're constipated. If you're having those rabbit pellets like I talked about, you're constipated. If you go and then you're like, ugh, I still feel like I didn't get everything out you're constipated. If you so go... So basically, like, everyone has been yeah, constipated like, at some for point. for sure. I we mean, just and, don't even yeah, know. Yeah, and if you say that you're not constipated, like, you probably are wrong. Like, we see it so many times. If you say, oh, no, I've never been constipated, like, then you're probably constipated and you've just gotten used to feeling that yeah. way, to be just honest. Just ignoring it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So how many people come to pelvic floor therapy that you realize are constipated versus how many people should have come should for have constipation? Come. I would say 90% of our patients are constipated. And I would wow. say maybe 20 to 30% of them are actually coming for constipation. So okay. when, you know, and that's difficult as a pelvic health provider, when somebody's coming with urinary leakage and they're like, no, I'm only peeing when I run. And you're like, eh. There is some constipation here. Trying to convince that person that constipation is causing their urinary incontinence, it's a very delicate dance because people don't like to talk about poop and they think when you're bringing up poop that you're being some kind of weirdo or they just think that you don't know what you're talking about. So there's a very delicate... brushing off the actual issue, even though that is the actual issue. Right. And so, yeah, so I would say 90% of the people coming in our practice are constipated, but Hmm. 20 to 30 are actually coming for treatment of constipation. Why is pelvic floor therapy a better option for constipation than a different provider? Like, like what's the difference between what you do versus, I mean, obviously, you do internal. Yeah. <laughs> you look at things we look other at things providers other don't, don't look at, right? But what makes this a better, like, long-term fix? Yeah, and I think it's us figuring out why the constipation is there. You know, we are not trying to just mask the constipation by giving you Miralax. We are not trying to mask the constipation, you know, by giving you an enema or some sort of medication to just try to cover that Or, like, telling everyone to just drink more water and eat more fiber. Exactly. (laughs) We are trying to figure out, is it water? Is it fiber? Are you eating enough? Are you are your mechanics poor? Do you have too much tone in the external anal sphincter and pelvic floor muscles? Are you having a habit where you constantly are holding your poop in? You know, we try to investigate why exactly is the constipation there? So that's where I I know that we're different from other providers that are just trying to just hand out medication to get you to poop. We're trying to figure out why are you not pooping in the first place? Sounds like everybody needs to hear this. Yes, <laughs> yes. So we're going to talk about how bowels work, okay? So bowels are really stimulated by food movement, okay? So if you're not eating slash drinking, if you are not moving, those could be two common reasons why your bowels are not working um, or they're not working optimally. So we really need to investigate you know, what is going on? When are you eating? What are you eating? What time of day are you eating? How much are you eating? When is your movement happening? Because how bowels work is when you eat, you get a um, kind of trigger in your gut. And that trigger in your gut is called the gastrocolic reflex. The gastrocolic reflex gets stimulated by food. If you do not eat, that reflex will not get triggered. Okay, so for people that do have some basic knowledge that everybody doesn't, everybody should know. But if you don't eat breakfast, if you do intermittent fasting, 
you are not stimulating your gut, right? So your bowel and that gastrocolic reflex is most active in the morning. And people can actually feel it. They can actually feel like kind of like this mass action of movement through their bowels. That's this mass like peristalsis or just massive contraction of the bowels that happens multiple times throughout the day, most likely in the morning. But it has to be, it is stimulated by food. And so if you're skipping breakfast, you're doing intermittent fasting, you are not helping that reflex get stimulated. And I see this time and time again. And, you know, I do think that part of this is kind of in this like diet culture where people are like, "Eh, I'm going to skip breakfast because I'm either not hungry in the morning or I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm just not going to eat. But you're really missing a prime time for your bowels to be super active. This is all such good And, you know, the reason that a lot of people need caffeine in order to have a bowel movement is because caffeine helps to stimulate the bowels to contract. So it's totally fine if you need a cup of coffee in the morning to stimulate your bowels. I will not take that away from you. I'm not a proponent of taking away caffeine to begin with. I'm a proponent of kind of like shifting how we take our caffeine, but caffeine is totally necessary. Hot beverages in the morning are necessary for some people to stimulate their bowels. So, But we shouldn't just be having caffeine correct and not food in order to make that happen like it's not right it's not okay if that's working for you right to get you to go for sure you You still can't skip food you need a bolus of food you need enough food to eat to try to stimulate that gastrocolic reflex it is stimulated by food if you don't eat you're not stimulating that reflex so you're not actually helping your bowels move tell me about some other issues that you see that come up with people not able to go or not realizing that they're not able to go. Yeah, I think one of the big ones is um, routine. And a lot of people, especially when you're traveling, this is why traveling induced constipation is such a big thing. Your routine is off, your water intake is off, your eating schedule is off. And that as a result is what causes you know, your constipation. Our bowels love routine. So the people that have good bowel, bowel movements are the ones that eat every day. They eat pretty much eat at the same time every day. They have the same level of activity every day. They Their water consumption is pretty regular throughout the day. So, you know, when you're struggling with constipation, one of the first things that we look at is what does your morning routine look like? Because if your morning routine, one day you're rushing out of the house, the next day you're on a Zoom call, the next day you're taking your kids to school, the next day you're going to your mom's house, mm-hmm. the next day you're, you know, traveling, like that is not great for your bowels. So we have to kind of work around that. But bowels love routine. So the more consistent that you can be, the better. You know, mornings are super hectic. We totally get that mom of three here, right? I understand that mornings are super hectic. We have to try to create some kind of morning consistency. And so if you are constipated, this is something that I really try to encourage with people. Now, if you're not constipated and things are going great, then, you know, just ignore what I'm saying. But if you are struggling with constipation or constipation is causing your issue and your mornings are all hectic and all over the place, we need to really take a look at what is happening. um, Because maybe waking up 10 minutes earlier is the key for you. Maybe waking up 10 minutes earlier so that you can have a decent breakfast, Mm -hmm. something where you're actually eating, chewing. Remember that chewing is part of digestion. So digestion starts in our mouth. So as we are chewing, it is stimulating our gut to start moving. We really, really try to get our patients chewing and eating food in the morning. That totally makes sense. And it and it also sounds like what you're saying 
this has a lot to do with like basic habits and like in the new year everyone is like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and really what we need to focus on is the tiny little parts of being successful in whatever bigger goals we have but it always starts with the small habits right so water food routine like all that stuff it sounds like we just need to like get back to basics a little bit better in order yeah. to see some improvement with this. And I think the reason that I get a little bit on my patients about this is because if you're leaving your house and you're eating breakfast on the go or you're leaving your house and you're somebody that hasn't eaten yet, you're going to eat when you get to the office, but you're also the person that's afraid to poop in public. Now you're going to your office, you're eating your breakfast you feel the urge to have a bowel movement and then you start holding it all day because you don't want to poop until you're home. Oh yeah, no. And right, so what that actually does is when you're holding in your poop, you are desensitizing the little receptors that are in the rectum. So what's going to happen is you're going to need more stool to fill the rectum to stimulate those receptors. And you're once again, you're going to ignore them. You're going to hold, you're going to, you know, so now you're going to need even more poop to stimulate that. And it's making the problem worse. Exactly. And so eventually what ends up happening is you prevent that urge so much that now your body starts getting angry and it starts sending signals to the bladder and the bladder starts getting more urgency because your bowel, you're ignoring your bowel sensation. So we see this a lot in patients that have constipation. They also have bladder urgency because they've prevented and pushed off the urge so much that now the nerves are angry and they're starting to take it out on the bladder. So, Hmm. you know, if you're one of those people that will not poop in public, I would highly discourage you to avoid breakfast at home. Really try to eat breakfast at home, have a cup of coffee at home, try to get those bowels moving in the morning so that you can have your poop and then go on with your day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, but 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 that sounds doable. I mean, totally if, if you doable. have a lot of problems yeah. with this, that sounds like something you could work towards yeah. doing better with for yeah. sure. Anything else that you want to talk about before we go over like general best practices? No. Yeah. I just think, you know, with traveling, that kind of ties into the whole traveling thing is that a lot of times patients will wake up when they travel, they'll go down to the breakfast buffet or whatever they have at their hotel. um, And then they leave, they leave their hotel for the day. And then now they're stuck holding off the urgency to, you know, have a bowel movement on vacation because their routine has changed. So what I like to encourage patients that do have a little bit of struggle with some traveling constipation is really try to have breakfast and then go back to your room. Hang out in your room for maybe 20 minutes, you know, watch a show, have another cup of coffee, um, drink some water and see if you can have a bowel movement before you leave for your day. Um, Because food usually within about 30 minutes of eating, if you have a pretty well working bowel, then that's going to stimulate that to be contracted and you to have a bowel movement within about 30 minutes of eating. That was awesome. That was great. That was a lot of information. So what kind of things, like if people need to put into better practices that are like really easy to do every day, what can we do to just improve our habits around using the toilet and making us less constipated? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is make sure you're eating. You have to eat breakfast. You have to have a decent breakfast. It doesn't have to be eggs and omelet and all of these things, but it has to be food. You know, to really try to avoid just having a granola bar. Try to have something that has a little bit more substance so that you get that big enough bolus of food. 
The second thing is really make sure that you're drinking enough water. About half of your body weight in fluid ounces of water per day. We really want to encourage water consumption because that's going to help to hydrate the bowel and hydrate the stool. Dry stools are much harder to push through the bowel and they're a lot harder to pass. So the more water that you drink, the better. And Uh, I feel like half of your body weight in ounces is bare minimum if you're like pregnant or breastfeeding. Like it has to be more yes. than that. Minimum. Yes. So that's like yes. absolute minimum. Yes. Not like super active, not breastfeeding, not pregnant. For sure. So. For sure. Which really isn't that much water. Yeah. No, I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's not really that not that much water. Yeah. And then, you know, really making sure that you're having a nice mo- routine in the morning. I understand mornings are hectic, but if it means that you need to wake up another 10 minutes earlier, really trying to do that, trying to get some sort of activity in, whether it's walking or exercise or whatever the case may be, please, if especially if you're a work from home person that goes from the bed to have a cup of coffee in the kitchen, to then sitting at your computer all day. We really have to try to get some movement in. And then the last thing I'm going to suggest is the squatty potty. So tell, yes, this is a, I was waiting for this one. Yes. Tell me about why, what the squatty potty does Mm -hmm. and why that is a big deal. Absolutely. So the squatty potty is, and we are not branded by the squatty potty. We do not endorse them or anything. There's other brands out there. I know I have the Tushy in my house, which is, so cute, so on brand with Vivid. And we can link these and we can totally in the notes. Link these. <laughs> or you can use yoga blocks. But essentially, you need to put your foot on something that's going to elevate your knees higher than your hips. So you want the knee to be higher than the hip. What that's going to do is it's going to relax a muscle in your pelvic floor. It's called the puborectalis muscle. This muscle acts almost as like a lasso around the end of the rectum to keep it closed which is what we want. We want this muscle to function properly and that it closes the end of the rectum so that we're not pooping everywhere, right? But when it works too well, you can't get anything out. It's like the door is shut. So the squatty potty, by elevating your feet so that your knees are higher than your hips, it helps to relax that muscle. So it kind of loosens up that lasso so that you can then have a bowel movement. So proper mechanics, your, your feet are about like pretty wide. I mean, wider than hips, wider than shoulders. Think about like a dude sitting in a chair, like really like spreading those feet out. So you want your feet pretty wide apart and then you want your knees higher than your hips, which will help to relax that muscle. Perfect. So like a kid's stool is yes. not enough because it's it's small. Too narrow. It's, it's too, narrow. too narrow. So okay. I love like... Probably the right height, yeah, but too narrow. Right height, but too narrow. But I love yoga blocks. If you're traveling, I will tell somebody, they either make travel squatty potties, which are great, but I understand. Yeah, like you fold them up. Yeah, you fold you, them up, which it is It takes up awesome. no space at all. Those things are super cool. Which is great. Or I just tell everyone like call housekeeping, get a couple extra rolls of toilet paper, Put the roll like sideways so that the cylinder of the um pa- right. the toilet paper roll turn on its end. Yes, can turn yeah. on its end and like stand up. And then you put your heels on that. So that way you're kind of like you know separated at a nice hip width, but then you're also elevating so that your knees are higher. Now, if you have a high toilet, you might need two rolls, right? You might need a little bit more. Something I would discourage, which a lot of people are like, oh, I just go up on my tippy toes. I was just going to say that. I was like, how about people that go up on their toes to make their knees higher? Yeah. So the reason I don't like that is because now this starts getting into my geeky side, but the nerves that 
contribute to plantar flexion. So contribute to you pointing your toes. It's the S2 nerve root. That is the same nerve root that controls your pelvic floor. So if you are on your tippy toes, you're activating your calf muscles. You're also activating your pelvic floor muscles. So we need them to relax. Yes, we need those to relax. So by having your feet on like a supported surface is going to be much better for your bowels. That is super helpful. And how about we totally didn't touch on this, but this is another part like breathing. Yes, I was hoping you'd bring this up. Yes. No, like breathing versus pushing and like how do we actually make it happen? Yeah. So you're going to take a nice inhale and then you're going to keep your mouth open as you exhale and push. So it's the same breath that we teach when we're teaching our mamas to deliver babies, not this hold your breath, bear down and, and push because that's what contributes to hemorrhoids, fissures, constipation. Your pelvic floor is actually going to contract against that force because, you know, it's uh, it's a reflex that's happening essentially. So you want to be exhaling and keeping your mouth open. I always say like you're fogging up a mirror. Um, so you're like <sighs> huffing mm-hmm. while you're pushing and exhaling. That's super useful. And for for those of you who like have not been with us a while or maybe just joining us or, you know, you just don't have a lot of um, experience in this type of conversation and the things we teach, when you inhale, that relaxes your pelvic yes. floor. So you inhale, though, like your diaphragm pushes down, your pelvic floor relaxes and gets length. Mm-hmm. So just understanding how your breathing contributes to the muscles moving yes. is super important to understand so important. how things actually happen down yeah. there. Yeah. And then, you know, if none of that is working, and you are still struggling with constipation, this is where pelvic floor therapy comes in because those muscles might not be able to relax. And so we may have to actually use, you know, some manual techniques to really help to relax those muscles. So, And no sort of supplement drug, anything like that is going to do that same work. So <laughs> Correct. It's not going to teach you how to use your muscles, yeah. right? There's, I mean, there's no, just like going to the gym, right? There's no machine that is going to make your bicep contract. You actually have to lift a weight and do a bicep curl to get your bicep to contract and relax. It's the same yeah. thing with your pelvic floor. You actually have to consciously use those muscles and relax those Yeah, muscles. but nobody's taught that. So no. this is... <laughs> Right. So this is a this is a full education for yeah. some people, I'm sure, and that and a conversation that everybody needs to hear. Yeah. Because then I I I think as we potty train our kids, we need to be able to teach them better habits. For sure. So us learning as adults because like who taught us this before right. like we got into the work we do. Right. Like nobody was talking about this, right? right? So we can teach our kids to have better habits. Like I I remember when I was starting to potty train my oldest and like he would sit down and I would teach him how to like full breath in, Mm -hmm. full exhale. And like people would laugh at me when they would take him to the bathroom for me. They're like, he does this breathing thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I taught him how to like try to relax his pelvic floor. He doesn't really know what he's doing, but he learned. Right. And with kids, like sometimes I don't treat kids, but a lot of times they'll use bubbles so that kids Mm -hmm. aren't holding their breath when they're passing, you know, a bowel movement. They're blowing and they're exhaling like they're blowing a bubble. Right. Um, And so it's really, this breath is really, really important. Absolutely. No, this is a really helpful conversation. And is there anything else you want to add? I think that was great. Yeah. We talked a lot about the PT 
OT's role in pelvic floor rehab for constipation, but we didn't talk a lot about a nutritionist or registered dietitian's role. So that's also a really important piece that we oftentimes will refer patients that are struggling with constipation to. If you have questions, please reach out. I mean, this is, we can, we can talk about this deeper in the future for sure, sure. but this was, I think a very useful conversation for everyone. So Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Moms in Motion podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.